most of us are like, I'm not gonna eat this, I'm not gonna eat this, and then you just kind of give in. And you feel like you're being weak when you're not actually, it's just because of your relationship with food. So you give in and then you have these and then you often feel bad, so you eat more of them. And you have this bad experience of eating these foods that should be enjoyed and then you overeat them. And it's all because of this language and this moral judgment we've put on the food. Hi and welcome to 99% Fad Free. This is the Nutrition and Health Podcast where you get to learn science and facts without the nutrition nonsense and hype. I'm your host Tara Leong, a university trained nutritionist, lecturer, writer, author, speaker and mum. Today we were talking about the way we talk about food and the positive and negative impact this can have on our health and our relationship with food. We're all aware that eating a healthy diet is an important way to ensure good health. Even with all the nutrition nonsense that's out there, we all know the basics of healthy eating, don't we? But actually getting people to eat healthily is the tricky part. There are so many things that actually determine the foods that we eat. This includes things like the amount of money that we have, our education level, and the way that we would actually taught about food and healthy eating as a child. Teaching healthy habits to children is really important because then these habits will hopefully stick around into adulthood. So is it as simple as teaching children about the good and the bad foods? Or teaching kids to not eat chocolates but apples are okay? Making kids eat their veggies and never letting them have Coca-Cola, for example? Well, it's not that easy. I wish it was. We have to be much more clever than that. We have to think long-term about creating healthy behaviours that a child will carry with them forever. Many of us haven't actually thought about the fact that using words to describe food that are negative, such as chocolate is a bad food, or a terrible food can lead to a negative relationship with food and also then our bodies and the research shows that when we don't feel happy with our bodies that we are less likely to actually do healthy things like eat well and exercise because we feel so low that we don't see the point in doing those things What we want to do is to be able to help children to feel neutral about food and relaxed at mealtimes so that then they can actually learn to try new foods, eventually enjoy a variety of different foods, which gives them a chance of getting more of those important nutrients. And we want them to choose healthful options on their own without being nagged or bossed around to do so. We also want them to be able to do these things to avoid problems like binge eating behaviours and eating disorders which can develop down the track out of being frightened of foods as a child and as an adult. My special guest today is friend and colleague Kate Wengia. She's a dietitian and she's a mum to four kids and she's also the boss lady at Foost her company where she runs positive food education lessons and cooking classes. She's also a busy speaker, she's an author, and most importantly, when Kate and I catch up, we always have a thousand things to talk about.
Kate has a, a real passion for educating children to have a positive relationship with food and make family mealtimes more joyful. She definitely understands the stresses of life, work, family, and how crazy it can actually get when you're tasked with the responsibility of feeding children. I caught up with Kate recently when she visited Noosa to get her to share her thoughts on how the way we speak about food actually impacts us. This episode will be useful for learning how to speak to your kids about food. And even if you don't have children, it will also be useful in actually understanding how maybe some of the ways that our parents spoke to us about food and our bodies or their bodies may have actually had a negative impact. Listening to Kate and I'll ramble on will have you think about the words that you use and how you can actually flip your thinking to one that is positive and will set you and your children up to move more confidently through our changing landscape, which is one that does contain sugar and fat and foods that aren't so healthy. And we need to be able to set ourselves and our children up to being able to live in this current world. You'll find that a central theme to our talk is the fact that we need to try to not use pressure to feed children. This includes forcing a child to eat a certain food, such as their broccoli, forcing them to finish what's on their plate, or simply making them eat three more bites. And, uh, you know, I was certainly raised with, come on, have three more bites of your carrot, please, before you can get down from the table. And this is the the norm. Um, I don't know many people of my generation or older generations and um, even younger generations that weren't raised with this language around food. But the research is very clear in actually showing us that pressure in this way can actually increase fussy eating in children. And, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Because it makes kids anxious, angry, sad and stressed at mealtimes and can lead to them possibly developing a negative connotation with food and mealtimes. So maybe throughout this podcast, you could have a think whether your parents have pressured you as a child to eat all of your food. And it's okay if they have, um, but have a think about these things along the way and have a think about how they may may have shaped your relationship with food that you have now as an adult. You probably still hate the thought of having to eat those overcooked green beans after being forced to eat them every night and not being able to leave the table until you do as a kid. Or maybe you weren't allowed to have sweets unless unless you finished all of your broccoli, for example. Well, research has shown that this can actually make children love and crave the ice cream more if they're bribed with something like that. And it leads to them actually hating and despising the broccoli even more than before. Being deprived of some foods because they were bad as a child may have even made you now a little obsessed with that food as an adult. And possibly maybe you binge on it every chance you get now because you were conditioned that way as a child. I'm sure everyone will get a little something out of this chat Kate and I had. So I'll hand you over to to her now.
for joining me, Kate, for the for the podcast. I'm really excited to be able to sit down and have a chat to you here in Noosa while you're here on holiday. Yeah, thanks, and Tara. The question I'd like to start off with, Kate, is how important is the language that we use about food? Well, I think as parents, if people aren't parents, they can put the spin on it of talking to themselves. Mm. What we need to realise is we're not just getting food into children, we're actually trying to raise adults who then make their own food choices and have to navigate this really food complicated world. It is so complicated. It's so complicated. It? In fact, it's it's hard sometimes for me to work out who's qualified, who's not qualified. Should I listen to this advice? Is this advice for me? Yeah. Um, you know, mm. so we're really raising kind of children or even if you're kind of you know don't have children you're probably you know hopefully trying to make some food choices yourself so it's the same kind of thing and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to give children the skills to to listen to their body's hunger and fullness the skills to go out in this crazy food world and make choices and so the language that we use around children um, um, about food but also within our own minds because the way we think and we role model our food to our children is going to really set them up for kind of life and we know that dietary habits track we know that the way we think and behave around food track so our food experiences at children influence strongly what um what you do as an adult and so that's why i think food language and role modeling and you know enjoyment of food as a child is so so important because um we're giving our children skills to last them a lifetime we're actually not just trying to get veggies into our kids mm. and that sometimes is it's really hard there's you're under a lot of pressure you know even me I see these Instagrammers with what's in the lunchbox mm. and you know kids aren't eating enough veggies and this, that and the other. It's really easy to get wrapped up in this is what I've got to do now. But actually it's a really long-term game. Yes. So so that's really what I do. Sure, we want our kids to eat, our ve- to eat veggies, to enjoy a wide variety of food, but how they you know, behave at the table, how they think about food is actually the basis if that makes sense and everything else can build on top of that rather than attempting it to do it the other way around and becoming completely obsessed about how many serves of veggies our children have eaten yeah and so i guess the danger about speak using um certain terms about food such as good and bad foods or naughty or things like that to label foods can really set a child up they're learning how to feel about food it and what is. they think about food in childhood. Totally. Which then goes into adulthood. It's true. And so I think one thing that's really important to understand is food is morally neutral. So it is not good or bad. Um, you know, I always laugh that I, I when I present this in sessions, I always say to people, it's not like, you know, chocolate goes off and whispers behind your back, whereas a banana is like helping you carry your bags or something. Yeah, like true. food is not good or bad. And when we label it as good and bad, what happens is is that we tend to say, Oh, I'm not gonna eat these bad foods. Mm. And then and then 
most of us are like, I'm not going to eat this, I'm not going to eat this, and then you just kind of give in. And you feel like you're being weak when you're not mm. actually. It's just because of your relationship with food. Mm. So you give in and then you have these and then you often feel bad. So you eat more of them and you have this bad experience of eating these foods that should be enjoyed and then you overeat them. And it's all because of this language and this moral judgment we've put on the food. Mm. So we really want all foods to be morally the same, but they are nutritionally different. Mm. So, you know, we understand that we want to be eating apples more often than maybe chocolate for some people mm. um, but um, but the way we do that especially the way we teach that to children is not actually by labeling oh this is an everyday food and this is a sometimes food because kids can't understand especially young children they're concrete thinkers mm. what is an everyday food mm. in fact you can survey adults and everyone has different opinions because what is what is everyday what is sometimes well that depends on a million different it's sometimes things once a week is sometimes once a month is sometimes just once a day well how long is a piece of string it's yeah. the same thing yeah. so we're trying to teach these 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 really complicated ideas that even adults can't really grasp you ask 10 nutritionists what sometimes is and you're going to get a different answer and so what we want to do is we want to help our children learn that food is just food. So I call an apple an apple. I call chocolate chocolate and I just call food by its name. Because even words like healthy and unhealthy can be a little bit like good and bad, but kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so it really depends on the morals you put on this. So I find it easier just to call an apple an apple, a carrot a carrot. And so people will say, but Kate, if I don't label foods, yes. then how will my child know no. what is a sometimes food and what is you know um or what we would call a um you can't see me doing <laughs> you doing the rabbit ears um to the sometimes food and the answer is simply by how much you offer it mm. so what is a sometimes food in my family um and how often we have it is actually up to me and my family and you and your family and everyone is different because and as a as a parent that's your role isn't it yeah. that's your role it's not up to the children to be managing their nutritional it, intake it is it's, not yeah. so what happens is is you choose as an adult you choose what food goes out so you choose for breakfast um mm. what's on offer mm. so there might be uh, whippix and toast mm. and some berries i don't mm. know i'm just saying some, <laughs> some things yogurt. whatever yeah. there is so you choose that so what you can do is you can place whatever foods you want as mm. often as you want. Mm. So children are learning how often you have foods mm. by doing it, not by saying it. Mm. Because when you say it, mm. kids can't understand it. Yeah. So you just do it. Um, oh, what if a child asks for for chocolate for breakfast? Mm. So you simply say, oh, we're not chocolate's not on the menu right now, but maybe we could have it at afternoon tea. Or um, Nanny Nolly's coming over tomorrow, maybe we could have it then. You don't need to say, well, chocolate is a sometimes food and we only have it sometimes, so we can't have it now. Yeah. Because doesn't that make you just be like really angry? I just want the chocolate. And then it makes, it seems like chocolate is this like amazing thing that we can only have. And then kids become obsessed by it and things. So you just, you don't want to be overly restrictive mm. um, because then kids do. But if they ask for something that's not on the menu, explain to them nicely that it's not on the menu today. Mm. Here's what's on the menu. Make sure there is what I call a safe food on the menu. Mm -hmm. So something they've already learned to like in there. And then the child can choose how much they want to eat because that's their role. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to go, if they ask for something, 
just tell them when it is or tell them where it fits. You don't have to label it. Yeah. You can just, it's, it's really about creating this positive environment um, with, with strong role modelling. And what is the uh, disadvantages of if your child asks for chocolate and you, for example, might say, well, no, we're not going to eat that today, Johnny, because that's full of sugar. Yeah. Um, so again, then they start to think that sugar's bad and we already live in a diet culture and you're n and we're not helping children to learn to learn about that. And look, sugar isn't inherently bad. If you have someone with diabetes having a hypo, yeah. they need some sugar. So this idea that sugar's bad, food is not black and white. No. And so you're like, well, hang on a second. Here's an idea where... A a, a kind of rabbit ear bad food is actually a good food in this situation yeah. and it's so it's more about the patterns it's so just, if that if a child is is only eating foods that contain sugar all of the time it's the pattern over years and months it's the pattern but remember it's, it's not the, the it's not the nutrient of the food it's itself. not and yeah. sugar's not inherently bad in fact being overly obsessed about sugar is going to do more harm. is going to do more harm yes. but and and also a child be, if you make your child obsessed by sugar, because mm. what you've got to think about is how does my child cope with food when I'm not there? Oh, yes. So that's what you've so got to think about. That's a so really good point, Kate. So how do you, you're a mum of four kids, <laughs> so you, I imagine, are setting your children up to be able to cope in this Correct. world that we can't change. There's a lot of sugar around. Yep. How do you how how are you setting your four kids up based on the research that's out there to survive at birthday so parties? Let me can I tell you a lovely little story Please. about my about my son who's about to turn fifteen. And he is now starting to make some of his food choices. On his because, own? Yes, because yeah. as a child, like I said, what is served is up to me. Yeah. But he's now in this transition period. So I'm hoping that all the grounding I've given him mm. will help him make choices. Now, I'm not expecting him to, make, to eat apples all the time because mm. eating nothing but apples wouldn't be healthy. Mm. But that's where we're at. But let me tell you about the story about when he was two years old. Mm. I was the very much, well, I'm a dietitian. My child's not going to have this and that and this and that and this and that. And look, while they're young and they don't know, it doesn't matter. But once they realise there's other things out there, and they do, if you're overly restrictive, they will become obsessed with it. So I had the child that when you went to a birthday party, sat at the table and ate and ate and ate and didn't go and play mm -hmm. because he was never exposed to these things. So when he was exposed to them, he couldn't cope. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I realised, and this is when I started looking into it, mm -hmm. because I realised that... And, I wasn't really using good and bad food language. I was just being very restrictive mm. to him. But it would be very similar if I was using good and bad food language because he would have the same kind of things that these are, these are like special foods that you can't have. So then when they get the opportunity to have them, they're like, they just they just go crazy and so I realized okay I'm being like overly restrictive so I looked at some research and I, I saw um, I started following a division of responsibility and feeding and I realized okay I'm going to start giving him opportunities to eat these things sometimes as just part of our thing so not using any of the language just mm. putting it into just putting it into um just putting it into our day mm. sometimes you know as often I'm not saying it was once a day I'm not saying it's once a week it was and I'm not going to actually put a time on it because mm. that's for everyone to decide for themselves 
Um, so I started doing this and I realised that we'd go to a party and he'd sometimes finish the whole piece of birthday cake and sometimes he wouldn't because he, I had helped him. You know, children are born um, knowing when they're hungry and stopping when they're full, or most healthy children mm. are. And I was... Over, I was telling him, no, you need to eat this and that, and you know, and so then when I could help him by bring him back to that, make him understand that all foods can be part of healthy mm. eating. Um, I then, call it listening to your belly voice. Yeah, so listening to belly. so when I started doing that, the, the difference in this child was amazing to see. So I think that's the thing you want to think about. And some kids, like anything, take longer. So some kids need to overeat at a party a few more times to understand it. And you don't need to go over and over with them about what happens. They can listen to their own body and that's their thing. And yeah, I use that, um, your belly voice or... Are you satisfied? And another dietitian who says, um, are you not hungry anymore? Mm. And so using this so that you're really kind of tuning in, she actually uses, are you not hungry anymore? More than are you full? Mm. And she uses, are you not hungry? And are you satisfied? And you don't have to ask them a million times. Just ask them, a, you know, ask mm. them once in a meal and that's enough. And so getting children to really hone in on this ability to listen to whether mm-hmm. they are Ha- if if they've had enough and yep. want to stop eating or not, yep. children are born with this inherent ability to yep. just really stop when they are full. It's yep. it's just when we conditioned and grow into adulthood it's totally that true. we actually stop listening to those but, signals. But do you know what? The world has changed a lot. Um, you know, my father was born in the Second World War, and he used to, and he, so when growing up, he used to say to us, "Eat anything on your plate because you never know when your next meal's coming from." Mm-hmm. Now, for him, that was one hundred percent true. Yeah, people starved around yes, him. Yes, yes. But we have to move on because yeah. that's not a helpful thing to say anymore. No. And so you know three more bites it's just getting kids to over you know when we say lovingly three more bites um and then three oh, and more I'll bites so yes when we use that as a parent it's often with the good intention 100 percent, getting them to eat some broccoli 100%. because they won't eat it so we say three more bites of your broccoli and then you can finish but what we're but what we're doing that. is we're actually saying you can't trust your own body yeah and even if you're and full so, you must keep eating. correct and so even or even if you don't feel like broccoli mm-hmm. because remember Remember the thing we want to do is we want to give them positive experiences with broccoli so they mm. choose to try it whenever they want and then they'll learn to like broccoli and eat it for life yes. rather than say you have to eat this broccoli like oh I don't want to and then when they go to outside in the world like my 15 year old yes. they're not going to choose broccoli so what we're trying to do is help children um, learn to experience food at the rate they're ready mm. to listen to their own bodies so that they be become adults who do this because you know there's this whole movement at the moment about intuitive eating and mindful eating and things we mm. were always that yes. but we've but we've, we've just lost, lost it we've lost and so it. now and we've got to come back to it so what we want to do is firstly we've talked about trying not to label food as as good and bad in your own mind and to your children mm. um a little addition to that is thinking about your body as well so don't let your children you know overhear you unhappy with your body try and think of what your body does for you mm. instead of like you know as you get older your arms get a little bit flabbier mm. but they also they're used to carry your children and yes. hug your loved ones and think of 
what things can do rather than what you wish they do or what they used to do and talk about ability and things. A little child who's six looking up at mummy who's looking in the mirror going, oh, this skirt doesn't fit Fit. me. Because I and I shouldn't eat the bad foods and it all links in. Exactly. So they're hearing that, aren't they? They are hearing that. Sometimes we do forget that. A hundred percent. They are hearing that with their little yep. ears and they are building... And they're seeing it. They're seeing it and they're building their relationship with food and their yep. own body and from looking, what they hear Correct, from right. And it all comes 100%. All of this comes from, from, from love. All of this comes from, you know, a hard place where we're trying to um, accept our bodies because we're also people. Um, but let's end this on a bit of a more positive note about at the table. So when you're at the table, I'm all for eating um, family-style meals at the table so family style meals is food in the middle of the table and everyone can choose what they want a bit like a buffet yep buffet mm. in the middle of the table you can do it as a buffet you can do it in the middle of the table um what, what it does is, that achieve what it achieves is it means that a child sees you eating things has the choice to eat it or not but has no pressure it's mm. no pressure exposure mm. so remember how we said that what is served is up to the parent mm. well how much and what to eat from that choice is up to the child so your job is to put it in the table and then your job's done so you don't have to worry about getting three more serves and three more pieces of broccoli into your child mm. you don't have to worry about any of that because your job's done once it's on the table and there's one of those safe foods there's some pasta some rice there's some cucumber there's a food your child feels comfortable with it what you're doing is you're getting your child comfortable with these foods because remember we want them comfortable so eventually they'll try it on their own and then they'll consume it and learn to like it and then hopefully as that 15 year old Mm. and old and cooking for themselves they've had that experience so we need a range of positive experiences and a lot of that can just be at the table them seeing you enjoying it they also have the opportunity to eat it or not eat it because it's just there and it's up to them you can also get them to serve you Mm. so they then they can put some broccoli on your plate so again they're positively um, interacting with broccoli without the pressure we really don't want pressure we want children Mm. to have positive food exposures Mm. because that will help them become adventurous eaters so when I come to the table with my kids and so I'm all for family meeting I'm also all for um, meal times um, with less distractions lovely mindful eating it's also a beautiful time just to spend time with a family um, there's great we know that people who um, have family meal times and let me say that a family meal time does not have to be all members of the family no, it can just be an like adult with, with the children 100 percent we're not chef husband that's always correct working with at night. me yeah. and my partner if my mum's there she'll sit and eat with them mm. it's whoever's there if we've got a babysitter we'll ask them to have a small plate with but them that that it's, re- that, that, that recognition of a meal time it's, and it's a meal time, time to but eat the meal. meal time is much more than a meal time you know um, it is social it's all those other things so let's talk about language there firstly um, when I my children do not have they have to come to the table but whether they eat is up to them but I don't say to them I see a lot on social media people saying tell them you can you come to the table but you don't have to eat and I used to say that but I don't anymore because the children are hearing you don't have to eat you don't have to eat I'll take you back a step so why do you think people have been saying 
Tell your kids that they can come to the table, but you don't have to eat. Because bec- to stop parents from kind of putting lovingly forcing them to have the three serves of broccoli or just have something That's or, right. no, you must be hungry. So that has come about, I totally know, from this place of trying to move from this yes. kind of three more bites, finishing every other plate and you get dessert, trying to move from this culture. Yep. So the thing is, is... You don't have to eat, but I don't tell my children that. Yeah. So I just don't force them to eat. I often don't say anything. Because it's sort of making a bigger deal than it's it even a, needs so to be. So often at the table, you don't have to talk about the food yeah. at all. Yeah. And so if you want to, you can say, oh, come to the table and you can choose what to eat. Now, mm. choosing nothing is a choice, but I don't say that to them. But they can have, you know how many times my kids have come to the table and said they don't want anything. I said, that's fine. I put the plate in front of them. And then suddenly they start serving them. Yeah. Whereas not, if you sat there and you said you don't have to eat, they just get conditioned, conditioned? that they don't And if have I to said eat. there, um, can you imagine if I sat there and said, oh, but Tara, you must be hungry. Come on, That's you've right. got to have some broccoli because broccoli's good for you. Yeah. Does that really make you want to eat broccoli? No, the next time you invited <laughs> me out for dinner, I'd probably turn you down. I'd say, no, I don't want to go out with Kate. So, it's too stressful. I know, but that's yeah. a it's a very good analogy. Yeah. If you were a friend who sat there and did that, come on, Tara, make sure you finish everything because you paid for all that meal at this cafe. Yeah. I, and there's children places that are starving, yes. so you should eat that. Oh my god, I would find that so stressful. Um, and and I, I'll, I guess I'll bring up a um, experience that I've had once where I had a uh, I had a waitress become very angry with me um, because I spilt my coffee, and she was furious with me, and she huffed and she puffed. It had taken me six months to be able to find someone to go to babysit my daughter for me to go out for a half an hour coffee on my own. I was sleep deprived, I was stressed and I was exhausted and I spilt my coffee. And then she was angry with me. And then when by the time my lunch came out, she was watching me and I felt so nervous the whole time I was eating that my hunger was gone. I didn't mm. want to eat the rest of the sandwich and because I was so nervous I'd do something wrong and get in trouble. And that's often how very tired and cranky kids after school Correct. can feel and when mum's around. And it makes me so dad. sad because food is not just nutrients. Food is community food is sitting together food is love food is all of those things and i I want my children to 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 have that kind of love for food and all foods and for getting together and the socialness and things like that and so i think that's true you know your kids can make a mess when they're eating Mm. because it's experience Mm. and so so going back to language um yeah like and don't clean them up till the end Mm. because can you imagine you're eating and someone's constantly wiping your face when you're at the table you know you don't have to talk about food Mm. you could say hey tara Mm. did anything really funny happen to you today (laughs) um you could tell them a story about a family story and if you really want to talk about food the only thing I really talk about is senses. Mm. So I might look and say, wow, look how bright green the broccoli is today. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that to get my kids to eat broccoli. I'm getting them to go, cool, broccoli is a great colour and yes. just add on to these positive experiences. Yes. If I eat something and I think it's delicious, I will tell them that. Yes. So, But I never, never make it up. Yes. So you can't be like... Mmm, this broccoli is delicious because they will see right through it. So you can talk about senses if you want to, but you also don't have to talk about anything. Um, The only language rule I have at my table is don't be rude to food. So 
If you were at dinner, if and my, my daughter came to your house and she said, oh, Ew, yeah. I hate broccoli, it stinks. Yep, I would say, that's okay, Lucy Bell. You don't have to have it. But other people here like it. So if you don't like it, you don't have to have it. But let's not say anything mm. because we really enjoy it. And um, don't be rude to food. And don't be rude to food. And so I would say different versions of something like that. So that's the only time when I would say you don't have to have it because they've been rude. So you know mm. I, or I might say, you know what, you might like to learn it now when you're older, so let's not be rude. Because do you know what, it wouldn't be okay if Lucy Bell came in and she said, Kate, your dress is hideous. Yeah. You would say to her, Lucy Bell, we don't say things like that. Well, if I've lovingly prepared some broccoli as part of the meal and she says, yuck, I hate broccoli, how come it's okay to do that? Mm. And so I just think it's part of manners, not really food. Yes. That is like... I'm not going to make you eat it. I'm not going to do anything because what that does, though, is, you know, I've got four kids. Can you imagine if one of them told me, started saying that broccoli was yuck? Suddenly, everyone's having a negative experience with broccoli when what we need to be doing is building these positive experiences. And so I suppose for me, why I love food language so much is that I know that instead of pressuring our children to eat, if we give them positive experiences they will learn to like a variety of food even vegetables become adventurous eating adults and that's the aim and the language we use really is wrapped up in these positive experiences yeah that's and that's great to end with your wisdom (laughs) there but it's a very good point kate that the language we use around food in front of children really will stick with children for a long time totally we do have the power to actually help guide that into a a positive experience and i think the other thing that um is cool too about being a parent is it's also an opportunity to to guide ourselves yes and so if you are like don't be sitting there thinking oh my gosh i do this my children are doomed no they're not because if you start to change the way you think you start to consciously change the way you think and the way you you speak not only are you helping create create a great food path for your children you're improving your own as well Mm. and I think that that's like that's kind of the beauty of all this that we can all grow I'm not perfect you know I don't don't think that I don't ever do some of these things Mm. but we're all on this journey we don't have to be perfect parents but we can think about what we're doing and improve our relationship with food as well as our children's yeah and some of these points that we've discussed today might um, make some people I guess feel uncomfortable for example if they've been standing in the mirror saying oh look at my thighs in front of their child it doesn't mean you're a bad parent it does not because I can tell you 99% of us have been doing that at some stage but I hope that the listeners will get and take it as an opportunity to just potentially change their thinking and the language that they use that's true I'm not judging anyone with this we are all totally trying to do trying to do our best um it's just hopefully you know hopefully if we can create a bit of a more you know i don't even think with our bodies we need to be overly positive i think we just need to be kind of respectful and neutral and almost the same with food i think that is a very very good point being neutral yeah so it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other it can actually be in the middle and we're doing good job yeah totally i'm not perfectly happy with everything about my body but nor do i try and 
focus on those things either. I just try to, you know, be active and enjoy all sorts of food and uh, do that with my children. So, yeah. yeah, So what are your top two tips in two sentences? (laughs) About food? (laughs) About the language of food. Okay, so um, I think the first one would be actually to try and worry about it less. (laughs) So um, that your responsibility as a parent is to provide the food and then it's it's the children's decide whether to eat and you don't need to use language to pressure them into eating because that's actually... Um, not doing you any long-term favors and I think the second thing would be is to try and just be more neutral and have a more positive relationship with food and your body by just taking off these these moral judgments or moral values and um, start to you know have meal times together and don't even talk about the food um, but I think the big one everyone needs is that's not on the menu right now but we can have it and put when it is so, so you, you don't so you mean need if to you get asked for, for chocolate? cookies and chocolate and all of that how do you thing? say do you say no or do well, you I don't say, say yes? no. no I so don't say no no so your um, answer is you say oh that so every now and again I say sure we can add that to the menu because the element of surprise sometimes is great so I explain to them it's not on the menu right now. Right now it's not snack time. So let's go and read a book for an hour. Mm. It's not on the menu right now. Right now it's snack time. Would you like some apples, pear or some yogurt? Mm. And then so I, I say it's not on the menu. I explain why the what is on the menu or what we're going to do until the next meal time. And then I explain when we can have those food. So that okay, it's, so you're giving them an end point. So I'm giving them, because otherwise they're like, chocolate, chocolate, why do I never get any chocolate? But I think the other thing I haven't said, and I'll try and end really quickly, Tara and I could talk forever. Um, I get it with lunch boxes. How come Blah has this in their lunch box? And I'm trying to teach my kids not to be judgmental. So my kids know that this is how our family eats and everyone is different and does different things. Everyone has different religion, has different values, has different family makeups. Watches different shows, is allowed to go different places. We're different. So I use it with food. A lunchbox is no different. We all have different lunchboxes. So, oh, but but Blah gets this in their lunchbox. Yeah, sure. Well, why don't um, we, we can have some of that for afternoon tea on this day, but that's not what we put in our lunch boxes i don't say that i don't go on saying well i want you to eat these foods and these foods are healthier blah 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 it's just not what we do and you do. don't say well and you so, can't have that food that johnny has because that's full of sugar 100 percent. i that, don't that negative connotation yep. because then and they'll become obsessed with it and be they'll the, become obsessed with it but then they also so might start judging johnny who's 100%. got it in his lunchbox saying well he's a bad for person for having a bad one 100 percent. so that's why and my kids do not do it anymore because i simply say everyone is different we like different colors we um eat different foods and it's a bit like the don't be rude to food kind Mm. of thing as well is teaching our kids you know we don't want our kids we don't want our kids to be judgmental we want them to be grateful Mm. um and i think that all of that is wrapped up in this so um be grateful don't be rude to food speak speak neutrally and you know what try and create lovely meal times with your family and focus less on how many vegetables they're eating. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, 
Kate had some really interesting information there, hasn't she? And I hope it gets you to think about the way that we talk about food. Before I say goodbye to Kate, I've got a little friend here who'd like to say a little something on this week's episode. Lucy Bell Leong, my daughter, she's five and a half and she actually starts uh, primary school, her first day of primary school in a couple of days. How are you, Lucy Bell? Good. That's good. I've been doing a podcast about food with, you know, Kate? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Kate the veggie lady you call her, don't you? Uh-huh. And uh, what has she taught you about food? Don't be rude to food. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What does that mean? Do you know? Never say, oh, I don't like that food. Can you get me something else or something like that? Yeah, well, because it's a bit rude, isn't it, to say, ah, I don't like corn, I don't want to eat it. It's a bit rude, isn't it? Yeah. And what's your favourite vegetable? Um, broccoli. Oh, and what are you eating now? A rice cracker with honey and peanut butter. Yum. Butter, butter, butter. (laughs) What would you like all the kids around the world to know about food? Just never be rude to food. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Lucy Bell. That's okay. (laughs) Maybe that's a saying that you could use in your home if you've got children. Even if you don't have children, we could use that. Don't be rude to food for our own peace of mind. And to help heal our relationship with food if we are becoming frightened of food or seeing food as the enemy. Maybe we could all do with trying to not be rude to food and being a bit kinder to food. There's lots of food for thought there in that episode, isn't there? Maybe spend a moment now to reflect on what you learned. What is it that you learned and how can this help you now at this stage of your life? What is it that you might try and how will you put this into practice? You can soak up more of Kate's wisdom on the language of food and feeding kids by following her on Foost. You can find Foost, F-O-O-S-T, on Instagram and Facebook. So go now and, and like her pages. And you can also jump onto her website, foost.com.au. And on that website, she actually sells some amazing kids' knives that they can use in the kitchen. They're not sharp, but they chop food. And uh, Lucy Bell's been using them since she was 18 months old and now... Using those knives, she's able to hop into the kitchen with me and chop tomatoes and chop uh, cucumber for salad. And I can even let her go on her own knowing that those knives won't cut her fingers. They're really, really great. So on the website, you can also find her books that she has written and lots of different information about feeding kids and nutrition. And let us both know what you thought of today's episode. So drop us a line on social media. And if you could actually leave a rating or a review, it only takes a second, but 
uh, it would just be so helpful to help this podcast rank in the search engines, etc., and get it out there among all of the thousands of podcasts that are out there in podcast land. <laughs> anyway, over and out from me. Enjoy your day ahead. See you next time. <laughs>